And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I thought we pulled it out because we stayed with it. We certainly bent here tonight. We didn't break. Listen, Tampa Bay Lightning played an incredible hockey game. They were, they were really, really good tonight. I don't think we played poorly. I thought the Tampa Bay Lightning played uh, incredibly well. We had to rely on uh, Sammy uh, tonight, uh, especially in that overtime. He was outstanding. But uh, credit to our guys because Tampa gave us absolutely everything that they had here tonight, and our guys stayed with it. You know, you look over the last number of years, we've lost this game a lot of times today. I stick with it make sure we got the win hello james we have a lot to discuss how are you this is it's only three games jonas it feels like longer than that doesn't it, it feels like the playoff wars have been going for a while yes that is one thing i've learned about the playoffs is like every game is so not learned i mean i knew this but when you're in it every game is like so there's so much to pick through it's so high stakes that every little tiny thing matters so it feels that's not like to me, that felt like the most important game three that I've seen them play. No? Like, I can't think of another time where game three mattered as much as that one felt like it did. I mean, you could say game three last year, which they also won, right? Like, yeah, I guess. I mean, the, the series, yeah, like, I guess it's because it felt a little bit different just based on, I think, last year they win game one, they lose game two, and they win game three, and obviously they win game two in this series. I think what's different, though, Jonas, is like, the yeah. Leafs had that big performance in game two. Chernak's out. Hedman's ailing. It feels like they got some momentum. And then when they come out, I mean, I know we're going to talk about it, obviously, but when the Leafs come out and play as badly as they did, it felt like if they lost that game, it was going to be it was going to be a big time shift in the series. Yeah, I think that's fair um, because you go down 2-1 and you have to play game four still in Tampa. Obviously, 
yeah, anyway, it didn't happen uh, for many reasons, which we'll get to. Uh, we have a lot to discuss. We have some questions to get to. We'll talk about Ryan O'Reilly. We'll talk about Samsonov. We'll talk about... I have a suggestion, period. Jonas. We'll talk about... Yeah, go ahead. I have a suggestion. There's a lot of good and bad to talk about with Game 3. I think because they sure. won, we should start with the good stuff. And then if people want to turn it off before we get into the, you know, go heavy on the bad stuff, then then, <laughs> that's, then that's fine. Okay, where would you like to begin with the good stuff? I think the number one... Le, le, I was thinking, I know you like the games. Do you want to play a game? Yes. All right. Here wow, we go. amazing. I don't know what it's called. I don't have a name for it. Let's let's alternate back and forth and say players who had a really good game for the Leafs in game three. I love this game. And you start, we- you start with the, who had the very best performance. And I'm going to start because this is the easiest one. So I get it. Yeah. Okay. Samsonov. Samsonov had the, Samsonov was, he, he was not good in the first period. He let yes. in. You know, he let in goals that weren't great, but man, was he good in the third period in overtime. He was, he was fantastic. Yes. And, and you you forgot to mention in the second period, he was unbelievable. Um, and this is like, that was the kind of performance, James, like game two, like he was fine. Like, he, I don't think he, like they ran away with the game. So it wasn't so much in doubt, but that's like the kind of performance I wondered only like a few days ago, did he have that in him? And obviously, we saw that a lot during the regular season. But he won that game for them. He I mean, won that, that game for them for like sure. It was. I mean, I guess maybe we're talking differently if like that point goal that was in his pad that fell down. Maybe like Fair. we're talking, you know. But yeah. he was, he was, he was outstanding. So the number one positive for me coming out of that game was the way that Sam Snow played. Yeah, and I, I like the point that, that Sheldon Keith made after the game where he said that's the kind of performance that Andre Vasilevsky has given Tampa a lot over the years where it's a game where your team doesn't play well and you're the only reason that they are able to win it. Like it's the proverbial the goalie steals a game, right? Yeah, 100%. Sorry. Well, especially was, yeah, I'm getting texted yeah. by people still talking about the game last night. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like even in the overtime, like I think at one point in the overtime shots were 6-1 Tampa and there were like a few chances where it's just like, "Oh my god, that's it. That's it. That's it." No, he stopped it. Did you see the highlight pack? Like there was like like the number of breakaways and like two-on-ones where like it was just him and the Tampa shooter and like yeah, and there were t- there were tough ones. Like there was that one I can't remember who shot it, but Shen was like right in the way, kind of screening him, and then like goes up into his armpit and he gets it. And like there were a whole bunch that the game could have ended on. Okay, so continuing our game, I should mention um, go to the the athletic dot com uh, slash leaf report to sign up for the athletic if you haven't already. Uh, we are in Tampa, Josh, Pierre, and I. Uh, I wrote about yeah. the comeback. Josh it's wrote not, about... It's not cheap for us to have three people in Tampa. We need people <laughs> to keep signing up. So we appreciate the people who are subscribers and, and not just uh, and not just listeners. Well, yeah, we appreciate everyone. Josh wrote about the, the melee, which we'll get to eventually. Um, and Pierre wrote about Tampa. Uh, so go check those out. Uh, so I will pick... This was really hard. When I was, when I was thinking about um, the game, and I was thinking, like, who are their best players in this game... After Samsonov, my initial thought was was Matthews, but then it, it's hard to really say that their second best player in that game wasn't Ryan O'Reilly, just based on the plays that he makes. He sets up Nolachari for the game opening goal, or at least has a secondary assist. He scores the game tying goal with a minute le- left in regulation. Then he wins the faceoff that leads to Morgan Riley's overtime goal. 
And you look at his stat line, James, it's a goal, two assists, three shots. Oh, hat trick, bud. Yeah. Got it, had a fight, three three hits, uh, two takeaways, three block shots, and he wins 62% of his draws. He was, I mean, that's, it's it's obvious to say, but that's why you trade for Ryan O'Reilly. Ryan O'Reilly is like, he's exactly what this team needed. He's He's one of my favorite players to watch that the Leafs have had over the last few years. Like, he's just... Remember, I watched a lot of that that run to the the cup that the Blues had, and just like he was such a warrior the whole way through that that run. And then, you know, he's not the prettiest player, he's not the best skater, he's not the fastest guy. And for you know him to win the Conn Smythe, it was just like a heart and guts kind of performance. And that's what he's giving the Leafs right now. And you look at the numbers, like you look at like the possession and stuff like that for him and his line, and it wasn't great. Like they spent a lot of time in their own end, they didn't generate a lot of high quality chances. But the thing that Ryan O'Reilly, he's just like got ice in his veins when it's like a key moment. He's like almost the anti-Leaf where he's not, he doesn't come up small in the big moments the way that some of the the Leaf stars have in the past. Like he gets, there's that play, how much time left was when they tied the game? Like a minute or something like that? A minute, yeah. The goalie's out, he's in front of the net, the puck's in his feet, and it's just like super calm. Get Get his skate on it, put it in the position, shovel it at the net, goal. And it was like... He made it look so easy. Yeah, and he, like you mentioned, like he has an it factor to him. Like there's just something, and and that's well, they, what they, they lacked, call him the right? factor. <laughs> they literally call him the factor. Uh, and and Josh and I are working on a story that you may be able to read by the time this comes out, uh, just about why that is, and and a lot of it, like that that goal. He works on that stuff, man. Like he has not been with the Leafs a long time, and I've seen him literally work on that play and that kind of shot. Um, but yeah, there's just something about him that, that he's not phased by those moments. He's calm. And I thought it was interesting, uh, a couple of weeks back, Sheldon Keefe mentioned like how chatty he is on the bench and just like you mentioned, he well, just brings remember, such a different like dynamic. His, sorry yeah. to interrupt you. Wasn't it like yeah. his second or third game and they put him on power play too. And he's out there like telling everyone where to go and what to do and what they're going to do. And it's like, you just got here. Like, yes. So, yeah. you know, well, and if like, you look, James, like. I went through his his goals in the playoffs. He has 24 goals in 67 career playoff games. And so many of them are go-ahead goals or game, like a couple are game-time goals. Like he just scores very big, important goals. Captain Clutch, man. Yeah. He's doing, now he's doing to Tavares, the, I'm the captain now. The, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Although they offered him a letter there at the end of the regular season. He's like, no, it's okay. I don't need it. Give, give yeah. it to Kerfoot. Yeah, I don't know if he should have shared that. I think, like, I get why he shared it, but it also is like, oh, kind of takes a little bit of the shine away from, anyway. Well, uh, they your, asked your him t- what's he supposed to say, right? Anyway, your your turn. Uh, I think, hmm. You know who I'm going to go with? You know who really impressed me in that game was Luke Shen. I thought Luke Shen was, was, I thought he was really good. I don't know if it came through. You were there in person. I was watching on the broadcast, especially in, in crunch time late in the game. Again and again, he was getting the puck behind the net, and it's like, oh boy, Luke Chen's got the puck. Like, what's going to happen? Is he going to like? And he just made a really, he made the right play, made a really simple, nice outlet pass. Play went the other way again and again and again. Under pressure, didn't matter. Backhand, forehand, didn't matter. He he played really, really well. And again, I, I think what it is, I think it's like calm under pressure. Like, you know, Luke Chen's like played in big games, and he's been around a long time, and. He did. He looks like a different player than when he was young. I mean, obviously, I mean it's been a long time, but yeah, I watched every single game Luke Shen played as a Leaf. I was I was that all most of them. I mean, that's 
his career with the Leafs and mine started around the same time. And he's added some nice, he's still not the prettiest skater. He's still not the fastest guy, but it doesn't matter because he's almost got like the wily veteran smarts where it's just sure make the safe play. And I, I don't know how many minutes he played, but in a game where a lot of the Leafs defensemen were struggling, I thought he was really, really solid, really good. He played about 20 and a half minutes. He had six hits and three block shots. And I think you're right. Like the, the things you're talking about are why he's playing ahead of Timothy Lilligren. Like he's won two cups. He's played in lots of big games. He's really hard around his own net, which is something that obviously has been a problem in the past and was a problem in game one. Like he just, he, he finishes every check. He's, he's big. Like he's just a big dude. Um, he just brings and I think such everyone a, knows all about yeah. that stuff, but I just was impressed with how he played with the puck because like if you look at like his possession sure. numbers and expected goals and that stuff in, during his time with the Leafs during the regular season, they're not very good. And like the Riley Shen. Well, that was a concern. There were lots of moments yeah. where it's like, uh, and and yeah. it's obviously going to be something he's going to have to continue to focus on. But when he can just make a smart, like a quick, simple play, it puts them in a much better spot. Well, and a lot of the guys on the back end are having a hard time doing that right now. So like that's what makes him stand out is that he's getting. He's he's getting the puck to where it needs to go as best he can, and like yeah. some of the Leafs' better defensemen, who we won't name because we're in the positive part of the the show, they're not, they haven't been able to do that. All right, uh, I think I'm glad you I highlighted Luke Shen. I think that was a good pick, but I think he may have been their best player outside of uh, Samsonov is Austin Matthews. Yeah, well, he, I just thought he was at- he was like their only guy really going offensively and. And obviously, there's lots else to discuss. Yeah, go ahead. I, I recommend people go to moneypock.com and look at the stats for that game. And like, there's like the expected goals chart for the team. And Matthews is like way up at the top by himself, which is hard to do because like you're out there with like usually you're out you're out there with a defense pair, you're out there with your line mates. But I think like he was when I last looked, he was up at like seventy five percent or something like that. And the next closest leaf was significantly below like 50% or lower like he so was, I have he, it in front of me James he was at 77% which led the team next up is Marner at 60% and obviously Marner is his line mate so yeah the money pot expected goals are a little bit different at five on five so it doesn't look like anyone was over 50% except Matthews on this site so I mean it depends on where you look but um yeah Matthews was really good I mean I think Matthews is the more obvious pick to pick yeah, no, I like your pick. I think it was a nice highlight. Matthews was was fantastic, you know, and he he gets the goal, which was like a that was a show, man. Like that is a that is an earned goal. Like he he bodies radish off the puck in the corner, then he goes to the front of the net, and he is just battling for position. How he's able to get his stick on that puck while he's still like fighting with radish? That's why that, Jonas, he is. What how he do you is. know how to like where to deflect that puck? Like yes. You know, yeah. like <laughs> I stand in front of the net in beer league and try and deflect a puck and I usually end up like sending it into the corner or something like it's impossible to do. Like, it's just insane that he can like, you know, how fast that puck is moving. Yeah. And he just and he any he, and to deflect it like two inches. <laughs> so it still goes in the net, but it goes in a little spot where like it's just it's in that play is incredible. There was one great camera angle that was just like you could see the trajectory of the puck. And like Vasilevsky was shocked that that happened. Like he thought he had that for sure. So Matthew's line reads, he played 24 and a half minutes. He had five shots on eight attempts. He had five hits. He had two block shots. He won 13 of 23 draws. 
uh, he scores that goal and obviously he gets dragged into uh, that fight with Steven Stamkos, his first ever fight in the NHL. Yeah. I mean, that was that. Should we talk about the fight now? The fight, the fight was bullshit. I mean, Keith was right when he said that like Tampa knew they weren't going to get an extra penalty. So they just did that. But you know, like if the Leafs would have lost that game, a lot of people would be talking about Matthews was sitting there in the box for nine minutes. I was thinking like, man, maybe the Leafs should just get a whistle just to get him out of there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's part of hockey culture that I don't know how it changes where if there's a questionable hit immediately, there's just a brawl. I don't like, I don't know what you can do to eliminate those situations, but yeah, I mean, not only do they lose Matthews, they lose O'Reilly. So like you're down yeah. two centers. They lost like O'Reilly and, where you're, and Riley was a, to, had to go to the box for I'm right, not sure what for getting for getting yeah. beat up on the ice. Well, and th- and that's a point in the game when they're down one and like as you mentioned, you go down two one game four in Tampa. It's not great. You know what it seems like? It seems like the the officiating calls are just like, what point are we at in the game? What's like like they knew the Leafs were getting a power play so. I don't know. It's just, it, it's like they say managing the game. But so the Leafs get a power play, but they've got this like weird unit out there where they're missing three of the guys they want on their top power play. Like, like Giordano's out there. Who are the five guys they put out for that power play? Giordano, Nylander, Tavares, Marner. And, and then. I think Yarncroft was the other guy. Yeah, someone wacky. Uh, okay, so I got to pick someone else. Um. There weren't that many players that had good games, so like this game is going to end relatively soon. I I, I will <laughs> say I I will say, you know who I'll, I'll pick Matthew Nyes. I thought he was he was awesome. You, I was surprised. I te- I texted you in the box. I sent you a message. It was like Keith is playing the crap out of Nyes. Like it felt like he was double shifting or something there in the third period. Well, and and as I mentioned to you, like he he had a shift with Matthews and Marner. He was playing in their top six. Like they had nothing going offensively in that game. And he looked like one of the few guys who like might be able to give them something. It's it's honestly it's really it's been really impressive how much or how comfortable he's looked. He's outplayed a whole bunch like of veteran that. guys. He's he he's outplayed Lafferty. He's outplayed Aston Reese. He's outplayed. I mean, like go down the in this series, like well, those guys have different roles, but yeah. <clears throat> he I plays, mean, Nice is in the bottom six. I mean, he's playing like a crash bang four check role, like. Nice is just I don't know. You their can just jobs see are the, a little different. Is I guess my point. But yeah. Uh, so I he mean, played nineteen. Is their job to sit around in the defensive zone and get hemmed in for two minutes? Because like the, that's what the fourth line did in that game. All right, James. That's this is you. You name this the positive part of the podcast. Not the, not <laughs> yeah, the but slam the well, slam. I'm edition. saying Nice has been better than these veteran guys, and you're disputing it for some reason. Yeah, I just think their games are are different. Anyway, uh, I will round out our game with my final pick. This guy was someone I thought the Leafs should trade for, liked his game. His name is Noel Achari. He played 19 minutes. He scored the first goal. He threw nine hits in game number three, and he was one of their better possession players, I believe. Uh, Actually, that's not true. No, no he's, he's down near the bottom. That line yeah. was was having a hard time. So the only thing with I like Achari, I like the way he plays, but the one thing that... Um, there was a coach who has had him on a different team that I talked to before uh, before the playoffs. He's like, you know, it's just like his skating. Like, is he fast enough to get around? Because he's like, he's not a tall guy. He's a heavy guy. Yeah. And I that game looked like Tampa was just 
I mean, they, they look like they had the puck a lot of the time and were spending a lot of time in the leaf zone. So that's the only thing with Acharya. I love the way that it, like Acharya Maybe gives I should retract it, James. Got. If you look at like some of the possession numbers, they're no, they're brutal. Not good. Four to 32 when he's on the ice. I'm going to retract that. Hmm. Who should I take I'm telling instead? You, I'm telling you, it's a pretty short list of who played well. I mean, I think Riley was okay. I mean, he had, Riley had a lot of bad passes though. Yeah. The only other person I think that might make sense is maybe Marner. Like, I think Marner yeah. was fine. I think he was okay. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, then we're into a, like a list of, there were a lot of people that did not have good games. But sometimes, no. you know, you can win if you like, if, if Matthews, O'Reilly, Samsonov, especially, and a couple other players are playing well. Did we say Yarncroc? I don't, I don't think we said Yarncroc. He played well too. Yarncroc is always like, he's always first in on that forecheck on that. I really like him on that line with Matthews. He's always up Tampa's ass every time. We're going to talk. Well, we can talk about that now if you want. Um, Tampa's ass? Gonna, no. <laughs> okay, the game's over. Yeah, they're, they've got some issues, I think, with the way that they've put together the lineup right now that were on display in that game. What do you think they should do with their forward lines? We'll talk about the D in a sec, but what do you think they should do with their forward line sitting in the game four? Just keep it as is or change? No. I mean, I thought Tavares, after a good game two, looked not very effective. Nylander wasn't very good. No, he was um, not. We're into the negative part of the show. Yeah. The fourth line was terrible. Like, if you looked at, like, I don't know, I think it expected goals, they were at, like, 5% at one point for the fourth line. I thought Camp was okay, but his wingers were just completely MIA. I don't know. Do you think there's something they can do that that is going to make sense? Like they the when the first line wasn't on the ice, they were getting caved in. Yeah, it was like and it was like they were stuck in their D zone all the time. And yes. anytime they got the puck and and rushed it down the ice, it was like a dump in or like like they were tired and they they couldn't do anything offensively. Yeah, and I think it was O'Reilly who pointed out that they had kind of nothing going on the forecheck. You mentioned. No, Aaron Kroc, but that's just like the only line. Well, and Hedman or whoever was just getting it in Tampa's end and turning it right back on them every time. Yeah, especially in that second period. Like it was the game was basically played entirely in the leaf zone. And one of the questions I had going into game three was like, was that Tavares, Nealon or Kerfoot line going to be okay in Tampa? And the answer was no. <laughs> um, they Nealander and Tavares were on for two of the three Tampa goals. Neil or Tavares was actually on for all three. One comes, you know, in a weird spot after I think it was was a power player. Tavares looked remember. slow, yeah, and like trapped a lot of the time. Yeah, and and Neander on that first goal, like that's the that's the thing with Neander, like in those situations, he's just not as attentive as he needs to be. Yeah. Um, and well, that's that first like, goal was on him. Like that's his it's guy on him. beats him. And he's yeah. like a foot away from being able to contest it. Yeah. Not moving and his he's feet. Just, he's like not paying attention. Yeah. Almost. Not not there enough. So so my question kind of is I didn't like, like Neilander offensively either. Like there was I just did a not lot either. of there were a yeah. lot of plays in the offensive zone where it's like it was not good. He was pushed off pucks too easily. Like it was a little bit too much of a I'm not pushing back performance from him where it's a, it just was a little bit too easy. And we're big Tampa. fans of Nylander, and he's had a great season, but like that was, he did not look good. Like just, I don't know, bad passes. So I think one of the things that they have to contemplate is is going back to some sort of version of O'Reilly with Tavares. I think there's a world where you contemplate putting Marner with 
Tavares. Um, I just think they have to explore something different because I don't know why that would be different in game number four. And like you look at some of the line combinations and the numbers, uh, Kerfoot, O'Reilly, Achari, O12 in terms of possession. Nyes, O'Reilly, and Achari, 212. You mentioned Aston Reese, Camp, and Lafferty, 312. Like just some one sided, and, and there was one shift in, in the first period where that O'Reilly line got just like hemmed in for like two minutes and just couldn't get the puck out. The issue is like, uh, uh, maybe it's not an issue. Like maybe you don't have to protect Nyes as much as you probably thought. I don't know. Maybe that gives you some flexibility. Maybe you try. I don't know, Nyes with Tavares and Marner, something like that. I don't know. Like, and, it, and it just O'Reilly's, feels like... Well, I, I yeah. mean, after game two, everyone was saying that, oh, you know, they should O'Reilly on the third line. That's what they need to do. They need to spread out the like center it. depth. And they got smoked. Did you see the stat I posted about, like, when Matthews was on, on the ice versus when he wasn't? No, what was the number? It was like... Let's see if I can find it here. Okay, this, so this is like... End of the third, I think. The Leafs had 80% of the scoring chances at even strength when Matthews was on the ice. It was 17% when Matthews wasn't on the ice. So all other lines combined, 17%. Like, you're not going to win very many games when three of your lines are 17% or less. Well, and it kind of feels like maybe, I don't know, the, I guess the question is, like, do you think you can get more out of Nylander playing with him with Matthews? I kind of think maybe you can, and you, can, you don't have to protect that line as much. I think they should get O'Reilly back with, Tavares. But as you pointed out, like one of the concerns is okay, now O'Reilly or now Achari is your third line center. And that's like maybe that exposes you maybe a little Camp bit in terms goes, of foot speed. Yeah. I think you yeah. give up on that fourth line. You put, I thought Camp was fine. He was playing hard. He had the puck a lot. He doesn't have a lot of offensive creativity, but I think you shorten your bench. Like Lafferty and uh, uh, Aston Reese, I mean, to me, they, they really didn't have it in that game. I would just play them a bit less. I mean, Aston Reese had 12 minutes. Lafferty had 13. I, I mean, I guess he did shorten, but um, maybe the third line is like, I don't know, Nyes, Kampf, and Kerfoot, or I, I don't know, man. Like, the, the the problem is, like, you want to protect Tavares and get more out of him and, like, play O'Reilly with him, and, like, I get it, but then all of a sudden your third and fourth lines might not have enough. Yeah, you're right. I'm looking at it like if you constructed in... Yeah, if you if you put O'Reilly in the top six, I mean that's the way they started the series, and obviously it didn't go well in that first game. But I don't know. I think they have to contemplate something, and uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the defense, and then we'll take a break and get to the pod bag. Um, the McKay Brody pairing is is having some issues. Um, I wonder what like what they've like what Tampa has seen or targeted in Brody because we've never seen him look this bad, even in the playoffs with the yeah. Leafs. Like either. Either he's hurt or Tampa's just like uh, working against his tendencies or like he just, I don't know. I've never seen him struggle to this extent with the puck, with making decisions. They were just all over like the puck pressure in that game was out of control for Tampa. And it it hasn't helped like McCabe has not been a safe outlet for him. Like he's not had the best series I think so far. And you look at that pairing in game number three. Actually, let me pull it up, James. The numbers so were So, like, I wonder, like, really Brody bad. plays 32 minutes. He's basically their number one player, their number one D. I mean, it just you just might be pushing the limits of what you can ask for from Brody. Like, he probably should be a number two D on a good team, not your number one. So, 
in 19 and a half minutes for McCabe and Brody at five on five. The shot attempts were 19 to four for Tampa. Expected goals were about 20% for the Leafs, which is not good. And I, mean, I, and I think one of the other issues, James, is like, minutes. well, and, and the other issue is like at times in this series, Giordano has looked his age and, and they're basically relying on that pairing kind of to handle secondary matchups. So I don't know. I don't know what you do. I mean, do you put Riley back with Brody? Justin Hall had some really good moments in the game. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, there's not an obvious answer because like you mentioned with Shen in a previous podcast, like you kind of need to play him with Riley in some ways. Like you don't really want to play him with Giordano. I don't know. Maybe you just have to hope that McCabe and Brody play better. I guess you could flip things, right? You could play... Let me just play with this. Do you here. notice in terms of the matching and stuff that Cooper's going after the D pairs or the lines in a certain way with his deployment? I mean, he's going after the Tavares line, which is not a surprise. It's just a little easier when you're the road coach to get the right D out. It's harder with the lines. I mean, let's see who that group... I would think they played the most against Kucherov. Yeah, they did. And they got hammered. McCabe and, and Brody. Right, right. But that's probably the matchup that Keith wants, though. No, it right? Is. Like he, hundred percent, yeah. it is. Yeah, that's. But but this was like this was something we talked about when they traded for Jake McCabe, and I had a question like, is he good enough for what they're asking him to do? And like, I don't know the answer yet. TBD. It's not been amazing so far. Like I'm sitting up there in the press box, and Jake Muzzin is like, I don't know, twenty feet away from me, and then you just see him, and like, Muzzin's just like a fucking big man, and like he has obviously tons of playoff experience. I don't know. Like the difference between Muzzin and McCabe is is a lot. Muzzin's really good with the puck. Muzzin yeah. like makes he's not the greatest skater, but like when he's just really smart. He's a very cerebral. Everyone talks about Muzzin. Oh, he's tough and he blocks shots and he clears the front of that. And like yes, but also the reason why he has been an analytics darling for his whole career is that he's really really good with the puck. McCabe's not as good. McCabe's not no. as good with the. They're just the, the Tampa looks so fast and they got so much pressure on on the Leafs. And I, I think the Leafs were outcoached in game three, to be honest. Like I, I couldn't tell you the technical system for what Tampa did, but like the Leafs did not seem to have an answer for what was coming at them there. No. It's true. The whole game. I've been texting some former NHL players and coaches and stuff and saying, Hey, well, like what what was Tampa doing and why couldn't the Leafs counter it and it's too early in the morning. I haven't gotten responses yet, but I think that's one of the questions for game four is how does Sheldon Keefe adjust tactically? And I think that I know you're going to, you're going to go talk to the Leafs here shortly. Maybe you can get that question in there. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, going back to some of the matchup stuff, the Matthews line did totally fine against Sorelli. They won that matchup. Yeah. And, and that line, like Sorelli played 1243 against Matthews. In those minutes, the Leafs won those minutes pretty handily. Uh, anyway. We're, we're overdue for a break, Jonas. 81% in those minutes. Yes. Okay. Break time, James, and then let's get to some questions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James, what do you have as far as questions are concerned today? Game four, by the way, on Monday. I put the uh, put the call out for questions like, 20 minutes before we started recording, there's already 30 questions on a Sunday morning. So it's glorious. Uh, Ryan says, let's try and get through as many of these as we can. Ryan says, thoughts on Keefe's comments about manipulating the refs. I think he might get fined for that. Maybe. Yeah, I think he probably knows he's going to get fined for that. It's it's more about sending a message to the officials, right? Just like in the Pete DeBoer, Dean Evason <laughs> clash which has been awesome to read did about you see, did you see that one gif where Evison, right Evison's like come come get me basically to, to, it was that was I, I laughed when i saw that well and there have been like that's not the first comment from the leafs about tampa and the officiating like john Tavares made a comment after I, I guess it was game one when the leafs took all those penalties where he said like tampa is going to get the benefit of the doubt from the officials because they've been to three straight cups. It's like there's a little bit of this feeling I mean, that Stamkos too, right? Like Stamkos doesn't fight a lot. I don't know I don't know like what premeditated that. Like Matthews wasn't trying wasn't doing anything. He was like picking up the sticks that had fallen on the ground. Yeah. I mean it's almost like a calculated like let's get Matthews off the ice is what it looked like. Well, and they're probably he's obviously pissed in that moment about the play with point like point was like you saw when he was like kind of like hobbling on the ice he tried to skate back to the bench and then he just fell over yeah i thought maybe he had like a cracked rib or something like that like he was holding yeah. his side there that 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 play i mean i'm sure for the lightning it it looks bad but you you look at it again and again and again and it's like riley does not mean for that to happen it's just kind of like the perfect place at the perfect time for that to go down you know I agree. I mean, it was, there's a little tiny bit of a push, but you're, I mean, you're battling with a guy with going to the corner and it's not like it's on, he's pushing him on the numbers. So it's a good thing that point was okay. Uh, Dustin wants to know, this is a good question. Uh, Should we be more concerned about how badly the Leafs were outplayed or excited that they found a way to win a game they should have lost? I think excited. I think you got to be like, that's like a, that's just a freebie that you get. And the Leafs, haven't had a whole lot of those where they've the last time they played that badly and won a game. Can you remember? I mean, it's pro, I want to say 2013. Like, has there been a game where they've played badly and won in the playoffs over the last six years? I'm sure there has. Like, I just can't remember. Where the possession was like that, Jonas, where it was like 30 something percent. Like, I mean, they did that in 2013 against Boston. Like, there was like total rope dope stuff. And I think it was game five and game six that they won. Yeah. It's just like those are the kinds of wins you have to have in a playoff series or to go in multiple playoff series, right? Where you don't play particularly well, but you find a way to win the game anyway, right? And you kind of need some breaks on your side too. Like we mentioned that the point goal, that 
was not, that's a break. And obviously Samsonov was great. There was a, there was, I guess there were posts for both sides. Uh, Alex is saying in a game of adjustments, what's, what's something that they should do differently next game. I and mean, we talked about line changes, the, the Leafs need to solve the puzzle of finding a way to break Tampa's cycle. Like Tampa, you know what I noticed late in the game? Tampa was getting a lot of their players high in the offensive zone, in the Leafs defensive zone, and just cycling the puck up to them. And the Leafs had were almost like collapsed and just had no answer for that. I like that. Yep. Good point. Cycle busters. Ryan says, do you have any insight into the fan incident in game two where there was the guy in the yellow hoodie that was banging on the glass? We didn't get great video of what happened. I know, I think I saw the guys on the Steve Dangle podcast had some insight into what happened there. So shout out to them. I, you know, they can, they can, they have the lowdown on what happened. And Ryan also wants to know what about the clip of Dubas talking to the Tampa fans? You see that one? I sent that one to you this morning. You sent that one to me. Like the the press box in Tampa is a little bit weird in that you're basically like right over the fans. Like there's no barrier, there's no nothing. Like there's no separation. Like they can literally like they can look I in, think, right? Yeah. Like I think Josh was telling me uh, last game in Tampa that he was at Matthews and Marner were both not playing in that game, and fans were just like reaching up and asking for autographs because they're just <laughs> right there. <laughs> hey, yeah. So there's a clip of it looks like Dubas is saying something like "Who who are you?" or something like that. With I, I think there's more colorful language in it. Even the executives are getting into it. David says, "What's your thoughts on how the NHL deals with third man in on clean hits or hockey incidents?" Kucherov went in for Riley. They came up with matching minors for roughing. Does it feel like it should be an automatic ten game misconduct to stop it? I I mean I'd be okay with that. They've tried to. They've sort of tried to crack down on it by calling the instigator more when it's when it turns into when you fight someone. We've seen that a little bit more, right? When there's a clean hit and someone fights, it should just but be automatic. Like if, if automatic you grab the instigator, guy, automatic. Like not yeah. even like something that they can debate. I guess if they don't get into a, I mean, it kind of was a fight, though. I mean, yeah, there just should be less gray in the rule book and more stuff that is just like clean this is what happens in this situation uh mitchell wants us to assess shen's playoff performance so far coming into the playoffs we didn't seem sure he would even be an everyday player now he looks locked in as a valuable role player making a tangible difference i mean i think that's well said i think we i think shen got his moment in the sun with us he's he's been good i mean you know he wasn't an everyday player when tampa won the cup i mean that's part of what people were looking at right like he would only he would only play 10 minutes a game and but it was scratched a lot. Yeah. I know in Vancouver, like they were playing him in the top four and, and the fans there loved him. And he, you know, he won a lot of people over there. So, and full credit to Luke Shan. I mean, there's been some good stories uh, just about, I think Harmon Dale, our, our Canucks writer did one about Shen rebuilding his game. You know, there was a time when he was down in the minors and, and, you know, his career looked like it was, you know, really on the downswing and he's really battled back and he's really worked to change his game. I want to say he worked with Adam Oates. I can't remember if that's true or not. I think he worked with a bunch of skill coaches just on some of the stuff that we were talking about earlier, just like the, the short soft passes and things like that. And I mean, it's on full display for the Leafs right now. The, the analytics people that didn't like that trade are eating some crow right now with Chen, I think. Um, 
Scott says, was it just me or was Tavares really bad in game three? He came off his best playoff game and had one of his worst. What are we getting from him in game four? Uh, it wasn't just you. I mean, it's, it's something with Tavares we've talked about a lot. I mean, we talked about it during the playoffs last year. Like, it's when you're playing a fast team that's coming in on the forecheck like that and they've got last change, it concerns you a little bit. And the tough yeah. thing is that that's your captain and he makes $11 million. And, but I don't know. I think whatever they do, Jonas, if they move O'Reilly up and put Tavares on the wing, mm-hmm. or which didn't work in game one, whatever they do, it's going to be controversial because there's no easy answer to that. Yeah, another option, like I mentioned, you could play Marner with him and try to just give him a little bit more support, a little bit more speed, defensive insurance, playmaking. But the only my counter to that, though, Jonas, is you're breaking up the one line that was really good for you. Yeah, I guess the counter to that is like the way Matthews played. Maybe you can still get dominant Matthews regardless. I guess the question becomes like, well, I guess Neander would just go in that spot. And as we mentioned, Neander needs to play better. And I mean, you look at five on five. I guess Neander ends up with four shots. Tavares has none on none attempts, zero attempts. Mm, I think Neander had, oh, you're oh, 05 on five. Yeah, five, I think Neander had like seven shots or something in the game. He did. And obviously he had a, a crucial shot at the end of regulation to get that rebound for O'Reilly. Uh, Matthew says, the book on the Leafs D appears to be to press them, get them to fling it up the boards where F3 or the attacking D-man is covering the point. That is like it looked like really hard pressure down low, and then Tampa had a lot of guys high, and then they were cycling it high and just like peppering the Leafs net and then getting it back again. Like, I don't think it was anything that fancy from what I could see systems wise. Uh, Matthew wants to know how does Keith counter it? Good question. Yeah. I mean, their breakout's got to be way better. They get, they got to be, they got to make really, that's one thing that the Matthews line and Matthews in particular does really well. And they highlighted it on the broadcast. I want to say, I can't remember if it was after game one or game two, just showing how they break out the puck when Matthews is there. And he just gives them a nice, he gave, he gave the one example they showed, he gave McCabe this little like four foot pass. And then Matthews gets it with speed coming like close to his net and they break it out. But that's not how he puts himself in really good spots. He's just, he's just really smart. I mean, the thing I think the people who are still critical of Matthews and they exist, you know, like when, if he doesn't, and he did score in the game. So I still don't understand the people that are critical, are critical. Like they miss how good he is in his own end. Like he's good at breakouts. He's good at, he's good at getting the puck back. He's good at, he works incredibly hard down low. Like he's one of the best defensive players in the whole league. Yeah. One of the narratives that's been a little annoying to me this year is there are people now being like, oh, he's amazing defensively. And it's like they, they, they're making it sound like it just happened this season as if they missed what happened last year and maybe even the year before that and the year before that. Like, well, this part is of not, why he won the heart last new. year was, was not just the goals. Like it wasn't – some people no. think it's like, oh, he had 60 goals, so he won the heart. But no, it was not It that. was how good – like if he killed penalties, he would be a sulky candidate every year. But yeah. because the criteria, a lot of people think you need to kill penalties to win the Selkie, he doesn't get a lot of votes. All right, we're running up on time. You got to get to the avail. What do you want to do? Like one or two more? Sure. All right. Jesse says Matthew Nyes has to stay up and stay in the lineup now, right? Guy looked like a legit top six forward most of the night. There's no way he comes out. I think if when Bunting comes back in game five, uh, whether the Leafs are up 3-1 or tied 2-2. I mean, I think at this point, I would take out Aston Reese or Lafferty. I think I would take Lafferty out and put Bunting in. We'll see. Too soon. There's so much can that, that can happen, James. Like, we just don't know. I think 
jump, we're jumping the gun with that. Dustin says, after seeing the effect of Shen, O'Reilly, and Achari in this series, the Leafs have to be bringing them back next year, right? P.S. Bunting is now dead to us. <laughs> he says, give Ryan O'Reilly the bag. I mean, I'm, I've been on board with bringing back Ryan O'Reilly for sure. I mean, it's going to cost you. Um, but he seems to be a guy who really enjoys being home. So that could be something that works in their favor. Uh and yeah, I mean, same with Shen. Like Shen, this isn't home for him, but it's kind of like his second home. And with the way he's played, if he's willing to sign for not a lot of money, I would think about bringing him back, wouldn't you? Yeah, again, there's still too much that has to happen before we can know what's going to happen with the those decisions. It's it, right. It, we our mailbag's always like questions for next year, and it's like I get like, it. I understand why people look ahead, but like again, you know what the implications are of the series. Derek's got a question directly for you, and then we'll wrap, okay? Sure. He says, are you a believer yet, Jonas? Sammy outdueled Vassy. We'll see. It's a long series. I mean, you would have said that Jack Campbell was outplaying Vasilevsky in last year's series, and then Vasilevsky became unbeatable in games six and seven. So we'll see. They need Samsonov to settle in and, and be this guy, you know, be the guy he was during the regular season. This is the same old thing, like, you and I are cautious about jumping the gun and saying anything definitive because what really matters is game five, six, and seven, really. Like, it's great It's great they snuck this win out, but they need to play better than game three or they're not going to win this series. It's the bottom yeah, line. Yeah, you know what it is, James? Like, it's just like you've seen so many different situations play out before that when they come up again, you're just a little bit more cautious and reading too much into it because you've seen, you know what I mean? Like, that's where experience kind of comes into play. With some of these situations, I've seen goalies play. Anyway, we'll see. Like he's been, he was excellent in the back half of that game, in Game Three. So we'll see if he can keep it up, and we'll see. Like Vasilevsky is going to be better. Like I think he has a eight forty three save percentage in this series. I saw some Tampa fans on social media getting on Vasilevsky and saying he hasn't been the not he hasn't been the ten million dollar goalie so far in the series, which is which is interesting. He hasn't had an amazing year. I had him on my fantasy team, and his numbers were somewhat underwhelming. I mean, his numbers are still amazing for most of the league, to be fair. Just not at his level, not $10 million goalie level. So, um, I, but you know, like game three, like what, which of those goals is he supposed to stop? He's not going to stop the Matthews tip. He's not, Ryan O'Reilly's alone in front. He's not going to stop. The Riley goal is probably one you need. Yeah. I mean, it's through a screen from the point and like laser beam on it. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I think Vasilevsky, I don't think he's been a problem for Tampa in this series. All right, James, I think we're going to leave it there. Uh, thank you for doing this. Thanks for chatting. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, I think we're going to record our next one ahead of game five. No. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because of travel situation, me traveling back to the T dot. Right. That good with yeah, you? Yeah, so do, maybe don't look for that podcast the day after Game Four because I think we might delay it, and it'll be more of a more of a preview of Game Five, I guess. Unless we'll see. Let let's we'll see. see if we can. We'll see if we can fit it in. Yeah, maybe we'll do a six thirty a.m. pod. <laughs> hey, I'll be up. So if you want to do it. All right. Uh, well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Go to theathletic.com slash report to sign up. We appreciate it. Uh, follow along with all the coverage. We thank you for listening. James, enjoy the rest of your Sunday.